Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at LSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I'm speaking with Jean Marks, a columnist who has written for publications such as the New York Times, the Washington Post, The Hill, Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, and Fox Business. Jean has written five books on business management and is also the host of a weekly podcast called Small Biz Ahead with the Hartford. You can check out some of the episodes by visiting sba.thehartford.com. Jean and I discussed what it takes to be successful at succession planning. We covered how to develop a strategy, the most common mistakes businesses make, how the pandemic impacted succession planning, and much more. Here's what Gene had to say when I asked him the first thing a business should consider when thinking about succession planning. First of all, a, a very much of a rising issue among many of my clients, and it shouldn't come as a surprise. I mean, there was a recent survey done by uh, SCORE, which is part of the uh, Small Business Administration, that found that the majority of small business owners in this country are over the age of 55. Uh, so obviously, if you're a CPA and you're, you're dealing with small and mid-sized companies, you are most likely going to be running into uh, companies that are uh, you know, run by older individuals, and succession planning is a big topic of their minds. So um, I have a client right now that that we're going through the same situation. There's three brothers that are partners in this business. Uh, they run a very successful business. They love each other very much and they scream and yell at each other very much. And they have, um, they all have kids in their business, you know, some in the business, some out of their business. Um, they, um, you know, with, with, and they're all at the certain age, they're, they're children um, where you know, they're, they're not really sure whether or not they're going to be in the business long term or not. So we have the same question. We, we've got to deal with succession planning. These people are all in their 50s. Um, so, you know, to get to your question, you said, like, you know, what should be the first thing that people are thinking? about we had to do that same kind of thought as well um, so the first thing you 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 have to establish is the importance of having a succession plan so if you're working with um, a client that is you know solely owned or has you know there's a partner you know multiple people first of all everybody's got to be in agreement that a succession plan is needed because you'd be surprised um, you know at how many companies where there's sometimes partners that are like nah this isn't something we want to focus on or it's it's not a big an issue. You're not going to get it done until you've got buy-in from all the owners and the shareholders or, you know, of the company. So that's your very first step is to make sure that you've got buy-in from all of the shareholders of your company. And do you have any suggestions for people who are thinking they, they want buy-in from everybody, but they're struggling to get that? So it's, it, you know, it, it's a very, very tough issue because, um, you know, you, the only thing that you can really do is, is panic the people that are interested. Um, you have to explain to them all of the horrible things that can happen um, if there isn't a clear succession plan in place. And, um, you know, what I found has worked well with other clients is um, you sort of, you sort of strike at the heart. Everybody wants what's best for their family and everybody wants what's best for their business. Um, and their business and their family are oftentimes tied in. 
Uh, even if you don't have any family members involved in a business, you know, your business is your livelihood and the value of your business is your livelihood. And, you know, making a plan for succession or even exit from your business, if you really want to look after, um, you know, what you've built over the course of your life for a lot of people, um, it's something that if, if it doesn't get paid attention to, um, you know, a lot of that could, could sort of fall to pieces. And when it comes to your family members, if you do have family members involved in your business, you want to be taking care of them. That's why we're moms and dads. Um, you know, we love our children and we want to make sure that they are taken care of and looked after even when we're not around. So, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a selfish act. It's probably the most unselfish act you can do is to try and plan for your kids, um, and your successor's future. And, you know, that itself, if you can make that, that case to a client, um, will, I think will go a long way for most people. Most people want what's best for their families. Absolutely. And when you are talking to other other practitioners, what questions do you find they are regularly asking you about how to handle succession planning? You believe it or not, a lot of people kind of get it. They understand the importance of succession planning. They know, um, you know, they, they they know that it's something that needs to be done. So the biggest question is, um, how do we get started? You know, how do we go about doing it? What documents do we need? Um, what rules should we have? Um, how should all of this technically be done? Um, you know, that is usually the questions that, that I get from a lot of people. And by the way, those are um, those, those are the hardest questions, right? I mean, if you know, if there's no silver bullet, and if there was, you know, if 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 it was an easy process, then you know, Jessica, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Everybody would just be able to do it very quickly. So it's not so much the buy-in for for the importance of of doing succession planning. It's all right. Tell me, tell me what we need to be doing. Right. And it sounds like, Gene, they're asking the right questions. You know, like you said, these are smart people. They they kind of know what they need to be asking, but these aren't questions that are easily answered. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're really not. So so here's, a, I mean, for, and by the way, Jessica, let me just tell you, I, I not like I'm like the, the know all about all of this. I'm not saying that I, you know, I'm, you know, uh, all of my answers are correct. I can only just share with you what I've done at other clients. Okay. So here's what I've done. Um, a lot of this comes down to a company's bylaws and its board of directors. Uh, a lot of privately held companies, they're required by law in just about every state to have a board of directors and to do board of directors, you know, have meetings and file resolutions. And a lot of people don't do it because they're running around doing other things. Uh, but, you know, and I get that. But uh, here is a case where um, it's really, really important to consider and to, to implement a board of directors for your company. Because Every company, when they have a succession plan or a nepotism plan, it comes from that board. So if you don't have a board of directors or if you're advising a client that doesn't have one, my first bit of advice to you is to advise them to set up a board of directors. Secondly, once they set up a board of directors, my advice to them is to include some outsiders on this board of directors. Um, the, sometimes people will volunteer. Sometimes there might be payment involved. But having a couple of outsiders on the board of directors will serve you very well once you get into the succession planning process. And by the way, just because you have an outsider on the board of directors doesn't mean that they can take away control of a company. Um, 
um, you know, your board of directors can have your shareholders and then outside board members who weigh in. And you can always have the shareholders be uh, the majority of the board of directors, of course. So there's no binding you know, decisions that are made that's going to, you know, you know, change the course of your company. But the, but but having those outsiders come in and to bring in their perspectives, obviously, is really important. And it's important, obviously, for other areas besides just succession planning, right? But when you have, when you establish a board, and you establish, you know, you, you bring in a couple of outside you know, directors, get them involved in the succession process. Um, so what I've had some clients do is you have a board and then they form a, a subcommittee, uh, the succession subcommittee or the nepotism subcommittee as it is. Um, and that committee has got a member or two from the board and of course uh, the outside directors too. And why that's important is because um, whatever decision is made by that committee and then approved by the board, at the very least, you know, the, the shareholders can go back to the parties that are being affected, their kids or other relatives, and say, listen, this was the decision that was made by the board um, and involved in the board were, were people outside of the family outside of the company. So, you know, we've got some objective, you know, input here that happened here. So it wasn't just, you know, being driven by other family members. And that, you know, has helped a lot, you know, because obviously families love to, you know, scream and fight at each other. Sometimes there's always stuff going on. So bringing people from the outside to be involved in the process, um, I've found to be very, very helpful. So delegating that, creating a board of directors, create, you know, bringing in some outside directors, forming a subcommittee, of people that are that are going to uh, grapple with the succession issue, um, they come up with the rules, um, and then those rules are approved by you know approved by the board, and then they are then disseminated among all of the interested parties. Um, so then the next question I guess you're probably going to ask is, what are the rules, right? <laughs> That is, you read my mind, what are the rules? <laughs> I mean, it depends on the company, but again, I can share with you some of the things that other clients are doing when it comes to succession planning. So for example, um, you know, a lot of this has to do with kids. So um, everybody in a company, you know, there's always a shareholders agreement and the shareholders agreement, if you don't have a shareholders agreement, you need to get one written by an attorney. Uh, they're oftentimes called buy-sell agreements as well. It's really the same thing. And in there, it talks about what happens if, if you know, for, you know, for an owner of a company to sell their shares to somebody else, or if something happens to them, what happens to their shares, you know, it goes on into their estate or it gets passed on to their spouse. Um, those rules need to be written out as part of a shareholders agreement. Um, in the case of one sale, or in case of you know uh, you know a shareholder being incapacitated, leaving the company, or you know not you know not living, um, so that's that's your first thing that you need to make sure that happens. Um, as far as people working in the business that are family members, um, again, some other best practices that I have found is um, you know no one can work uh, full time in a business. Um, or take a certain position in a business. This is outside of kids doing hourly summer work or stuff. That's all fine. But taking a managerial position in a business without spending a certain amount of years outside of the business. So um, I have a client right now who has a son um, that you know has expressed an interest in getting involved in the business, but because they have um, your nepotism document in place, um, that son cannot work in his his dad and his uncle's business yet 
until he has spent five years working somewhere else. Um, that not only benefits um, the business because you've got somebody coming into the business that's maybe seen and learned, you know, gotten experience elsewhere, but also, of course, it benefits, you know, um, the young family member who kind of cuts his or her teeth out in the big world um, and learns a few things on their own uh, before they, you know, they then go and, and, and go into the family business. So that's been a real, you know, like, like an absolute thing that you do. Uh, when you're talking about succession. Um, the other thing is, is, you know, again, some, some of my clients build in a certain amount of tenure before shares or whatnot can be passed down onto another employee that's a family member. So that's another kind of rule that, that likes to be followed. And of course, when it comes to compensation, benefits, whatever, um, you know, those are all independently determined by uh, HR or somebody outside of the family's domain um, so that there's, there's fair and equitable pay. Um, and again, obviously, you know, any family member that's working in a business to be considered for your know, future succession has to comply by all the rules in a company's handbook um, as to how they obviously behave within the company and are subject to being terminated just like any employee. So, you know, those family members in a business to be part of a succession plan have got to get experience outside and inside the company. And when they're getting experience inside the company, they're, um, you know, they're, they're again, they, they, they must be treated at arm's length like any other employee. And Gene, you just listed a lot of great things to consider when developing the succession planning strategy. Are there any other pieces of advice that you're offering to clients about how to best set themselves up for success when it comes to succession planning? Yeah, I mean, a couple things. First of all, um, succession planning doesn't happen, you know, immediately. So like I mentioned earlier, if, if you know, because so many business owners are over the age of 55, um, you know, these thoughts should be on your mind now. And your plan really should have a five to 10 year course. So if you're if you're thinking about succession planning, that's great. Um, but it's not something that's going to happen overnight. So uh, you have to be patient. Um, number two is that there, there are lots of resources. There are some good books that are written on succession planning. I wish I could tell you right off the top of my head what they were, but they're easily Googled or you go on Amazon. So you should be reading up on it because they're, 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 this isn't the first rodeo for businesses that are doing this, um, you know, over the course of the past, you know, thousand years of, of family owned businesses in Western civilization, there have been, you know, many, many businesses that have grappled with the same problem. And in the past 50 years or so, a lot of those problems themselves have been documented with advice being given. Um, so there's no reason to recreate the wheel, I guess is what I'm saying. Go and see what other companies have done. Um, finally, when it comes to, you know, in addition to reading, um, one of the best resources I've found for succession planning has been within your own industry. So you know, talk to other members of your industry, go to your association meetings or conferences, find people that are of a similar age as yourself, uh, ask them what they're doing. Uh, we're all learning, and, and I think you'll find a lot of good advice from people that are, you know, of your same generation uh, that are grappling with the same issues. Some people are figuring it out faster than others. And this might come up when um, practitioners are talking to their peers, but are there any mistakes that you hear of people making when it comes to succession planning? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think the biggest mistake that people don't consider is the financial impacts of it. Um, 
you know, there there are tax impacts by transferring you know wealth down to the next generation. There are capital gains impacts by doing this as well. Uh, there are you know th- there are impacts on uh, you know you gifting uh, and estates and trusts. So you know whatever plans that you're going to be making, um, you you need to get involved a good you know, estate and trust person um, that can help, you know, with that transaction or a good tax professional uh, to be involved because there are a lot to be considered. And this gets back earlier, Jessica, what you and I were talking about transferring, you know, you know, stuff down to, you know, generation people want to do this. They want to look after the next generation and, you know, they don't, you're making a dumb tax mistake because you didn't solicit the advice of a good advisor. Um, you know, it's going to hurt your kids and that's not something that you want to do. So pay attention to the financial impacts of doing this, particularly the tax impacts. And these tax consequences change a lot. Um, right now, as you and I are talking, I mean, um, you know, the current administration, you know, is considering some changes to estate tax rates um, and capital gains rates, which could have a big impact going forward. Um, this won't be the last time that this happens. So you really need to make sure that you're staying on top of those developments. And over the course of the past like year, year and a half or so, would you say that the pandemic impacted succession planning for a lot of practitioners? Yeah, it is right now, as you and I are speaking, uh, Jessica, there has been um, a, you know, an enormous uptick in um, companies uh, looking to sell their businesses. These are small and mid-sized companies, you know, you know, privately held companies. And the pandemic has been driving that. I mean, as I mentioned before, you know, the majority of small business owners in this country are over the age of 55. And, um, you know, there's you know, many of them are, you know, they're baby boomers, they're in their 60s, and they're looking to retire. And, you know, while, while some were kind of skating through things um, with their businesses, once the pandemic hit, <laughs> there was like really an incentive for them to say, I got to get out of here. I just want to go and play golf. I've had enough of this. So there's a lot of, of you know, older business owners that are looking to sell because of the pandemic. And I got news for you. The, um, the time is right to sell your business right now. It's, it's a good environment. For starters, interest rates are historically low and financing is very much much available. So it is a, uh, you know, it, it's a good, you know, you know, situation for capital to buy businesses. Inflation is low, which means that unless you want to take your chances with your money in the stock market, a lot of people would rather buy assets that they can more better control, like another company's assets. So that's driving sales. And, and, you know, not so secretly this, you know, the millennial generation, you know, are getting older. Many of them have been in the workplace for 10 plus years. Many of them are looking to start up their own businesses. I mean, startup applications themselves have increased enormously over this past year. Um, what better way to get into a business than rather than recreate the wheel and start your own company, buy an existing company and make it your own. So there are a lot of entrepreneurial millennial uh, you know, individuals that are, that are looking to do this and finding opportunities to do that as well. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that business owners have for succession and, and exiting out of their business sometimes is, is finding a buyer. Uh, Jessica, there's, you know, I mean, there's, you know, the, the, the meat and potato of small businesses in this country um, are not in the Mission District in San Francisco. 
uh, or down in Soho in New York City. They're in Omaha and Nashville and you know Lexington and a whole bunch of other places in this country um, between New York and the West Coast. Sometimes business owners have a hard time attracting buyers depending on where they're located or the type of business that they're in. Because again, a lot of small businesses aren't necessarily the most sexy things in the world. Um, so what I'm, I'm seeing a big rise in employee stock ownership plans. So ESOPs have also been another strategy for succession that many business owners are starting to adapt because if they can't attract a buyer to their beautiful town in Missouri, um, but they've got a hundred employees that are dedicated to their company, they're finding that those employees can be very valid buyers of their companies. Um, and banks are very, very happy to finance ESOP plans. There's a super huge tax advantages for doing this. You get a giant deduction whenever you transfer shares down to your employees. You get giving more equity really increases the, uh, you know, the dedication of those employees. Um, and ultimately, you're going to find a buyer, probably the best buyer for your company that over a period of years, you can transition yourself out. So um, all of this is being, you know, brought on because of the pandemic. Um, it's escalated uh, the need to sell. But again, just because you can't find a buyer based on where you're located or the industry you're in, um, turn to your employees. A lot of my clients are doing that right now. And this is something, Gene, that I think you just touched on, but I'm curious, uh, how would you say that you see the future of succession planning evolving? I think the future for succession planning is enormously bright. And I think the reason why is because, um, uh, you know, demographics, uh, people are getting older. You know, that's just the, the bottom line. I think the statistics I found was like in the next 15 years, you know, 20% of U.S. citizens will be over the age of, of 65. Um, so it's, you know, you, you talk to anyone, I mean, you know, healthcare is a growing, you know, home, you know, assisted home services, things that are you're pointed towards older generations um, are, are very much in a growth mode right now. And, you know, what could be more of a service for an old, you know, Growingly, a growing older population um, than providing a service for succession planning. So it's definitely an area that you know if you're looking to grow a practice or you're looking for a really good niche, it is it is it is a fast growing area that I think is going to be providing um, a lot of opportunities for CPAs over the next ten to fifteen years. If you're a CPA advising a client, uh, probably the best advice that you can you can give um, is to tell your clients to form um, you know a group of advisors, including yourself and an attorney, maybe a business broker, um, people from the outside. Because you know if you're a business owner looking to sell your business, if you've probably never done this before, you're not expert at it. There's a lot of things to consider: tax, legal you know, market opportunities. So surround yourself with some experts. The CPA should be one of those experts, but not the only one. And providing that advice and helping them put together that group of advisors, um, it's, it, it's an excellent service to provide to your clients and I'm sure would be very much well thought of by your clients. Thank you to Jean for joining us to talk more about how to be successful at succession planning. So what did you think of the episode? You can let me know at Salerno. J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.